to Mystics and Molder, a podcast at the intersection of faith and popular culture. My name is Sarah. I use she, her pronouns. And my name is Maeve, she, her, hers. Woo, Maeve, it has been a hot minute since we were back <laughs> in the makeshift studio recording <laughs> room that is our basements, our respective basements. We, yeah, we both record from basements and we both did our work in college in basements. So there's, you know. We have a basement then running through our lives. <laughs> <laughs> we work best in cold dungeons, apparently. <laughs> With only artificial light. Mm. No other people are around. No windows. We, yeah, that fluorescent light is really, mm. truly inspiring. <laughs> Do you like when it crinkles sometimes? You're like, is this a ghost or just terrible electrical wiring? You know, sometimes it can be both when you're in a library <laughs> basement. Um, yeah, it's really a crapshoot, I, I think, to, to figure out which one it is. But that's what adds to the mystery. What have you been up to since we last recorded? What are you? Do you have any New Year's resolutions or anything exciting going on? Uh, it's a new semester. You we are done with break. Mm-hmm. Um, so over break, I didn't really do much. I took another class, which is fun. Uh, as far as New Year's resolutions, oh, dear listeners, <laughs> I am chronically late to everything. I don't know what happens because I always plan to be like 10 minutes early, but I think in my head, I'm like, oh, but I can get this done. I can get that done. And I honestly lose track of time. And so I run to meetings and I'm still like five minutes late and I'm in my house. I'm in my house. There's no reason to run. There's no reason to be late. And yet here we are. And it doesn't bother me when people are late, but I think it can come off as disrespectful when I'm late to things. Um, so I'm going to be more considerate of people's time and try to be a little bit more careful about my own schedule. So I want to be more careful with my time and more respectful of other people's time. So it's a time New Year's resolution. It's about time. No, I'm just kidding. God, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sarah? What are you doing? Um, well, I am not usually a New Year's resolution kind of person. I feel like they can be sometimes a bit toxic especially since you know so many people like to do like let's lose weight or let's like be better and don't offer themselves enough grace um but this year I am actually uh my new year's resolution is about being more intentional of cultivating joy in my life so I am and I think I've done it for nearly every day in January, um, writing down at least like two or three things that brought me joy, um, even just little bits throughout the day. And sometimes it's like, they're very small, like had a good lunch. <laughs> um, and that has been actually very, I think very helpful in kind of like reflecting on the day and um, bringing up my mood at the end of the day. I had a therapist tell me to do this like several years ago and I didn't do it because I was like, this is a scam. There's no way this will work. Scam. Um, (laughs) She's just trying to sell me something. I know it. It's a multi-level marketing scheme. (laughs) Um, 
And so I never did it. And now I'm doing it. And I'm like, damn, this is actually, this is actually very beneficial to me. And I should have listened to her <laughs> uh, ages ago, but I'm glad I'm doing it now. It's been, it's been really good. And I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. Did you so. like buy a special journal? Um, well, I, I usually journal just to like sort through my thoughts. So I, it's just been like, after I'm done, you know, <laughs> gossiping in my journal, dear diary, <laughs> um, I'll add like, uh, at the end, I'll just have like a little section that's like joys. Um, and like one yesterday was like, took a walk um, mm-hmm. and I spent time with my family. So yeah, that's lovely. Those were good. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's my only New Year's resolution. Um, I also took a class oh, in January, like you did, had a that hashtag J term. <laughs> um, and I'm about to start the spring semester. So lots of new and exciting things going on in our lives. <laughs> Very true. So, Sarah. The real question. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about this episode? <laughs> that was supposed to be a drum roll, <laughs> but it didn't. It was just that didn't work. Anyway, I heard okay. it. I heard it. <laughs> um, we are talking about Sabbath. Woo-hoo. Specifically, uh, we're talking about uh media Sabbaths and you know, taking a break from social media. Um and just kind of the concept of Sabbath in general, you know, we always like to bring in theologians, Bible verses, like any good seminary student. Yes, that is true. Got to get a little scriptural mm-hmm. in the episode. Yeah. Yes, amen. <laughs> well, Sarah, as two people who have <laughs> a podcast at the intersection of faith and popular culture, tech Sabbaths are hard. Yes, they're Sabbaths very hard. Are hard. Mm-hmm. I love TV. I love media. I love the internet. I wake up, grab my phone, mm-hmm. go to bed, phone, <laughs> clutch tenderly in my hand <laughs> on my chest. I I mean, not really, but I love it, you know, I and I like learning mm-hmm. and I feel like I constantly have something going on. Either I'm watching something or I'm listening or I'm talking to someone, mm-hmm. multitasking all the time. And does it enrich my life? I don't know. Probably not really. <laughs> but I feel like it does in the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, taking a step back from that and re-examining and thinking, why do I need this on? Why do I, why can't I just kind of sit in mm-hmm. the silence? Mm-hmm. You know, why do I need to learn this right now and mm-hmm. absorb it? It's it's a nice reflective tool, but it's it hard. It is hard. It is very hard. And we both had experiences with, with tech Sabbaths. Mine inspired by yours, Maybe just to start off, we could like go into, you know, what is Sabbath? How is it used? What is it good for? <laughs> um, just because kind of a, um, a, uh, a sounding, not a sounding board, but a, um, a basis for, for why we chose to do Sabbaths and why others do Sabbaths regularly. Yeah. My... The first thing that came to mind when we thought about talking about Sabbaths was this quote that my pastor, Pastor Kate, at the Grove Charlotte 
uh, shout out, <laughs> um, said, and I think this is from a rabbi. I can't remember who, who she got it from or where she read it, but she said that she learned that Sabbath starts at sundown to remind us that God is still God, even when we're sleeping and that the world continues to turn and move, even when we have nothing to do with it. And I just really love that idea because it, it, I think sometimes we get caught up in, well, not sometimes, but all the time caught up in, you know, what do I have to do? What's the next thing I'm on my list? You know, especially with people who are concerned about social justice issues um, and making, making changes in the world. Like, oh, if I don't do this, no one will, which is true to some extent, but, but it's also like, you're not carrying the world on it on your shoulders you know there there are other people also doing the work god is moving and working throughout the world even when we have absolutely nothing to do with it um and that's just a really beautiful reminder that we're not in it alone it doesn't revolve around us and we can we can rest yeah i love that i haven't thought about that so much that people involved in social justice that the internet now has been really like the main way of communication and organizing Mm -hmm. now that we can't really be in person the same way that we used to be and so when I had Twitter which I don't use Twitter anymore but I'll occasionally just kind of like log on and look at people that I followed before I mean I felt like I was like in the movement and learning so much even though at the same time I would feel burnt out by reading things that are you know really heavy or really like strongly worded mm-hmm. or a lot of Twitter to me because it's so short and trying to get attention to get likes to get more retweets whatever all this stuff um that kind of urgency really compels you and makes you think like I'm doing the work I'm doing the activism I'm doing I'm learning I'm informed mm-hmm. um but I think for me it just ended up feeling like burnout mm-hmm. and so even if I don't know as much now I think I can actually use the energy that I've gained back to contribute rather than just like retweet mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just so passive and like information is one thing but being a, you know an activist you know via Twitter I, I wonder like how effective that actually is especially when I think social media platforms have become kind of like bubbles mm-hmm. and so you have like I know a certain type of Twitter and all the people are in this bubble and then you know folks who like spread misinformation are in this other bubble and so it's like do those bubbles ever overlap mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know yeah and it, it especially too when when sometimes retweeting or sharing something on Instagram is just performative Mm-hmm. I mean that's not <laughs> that I think is a whole another another conversation that we can have because it's something that I think about a lot like am I actually doing anything good by sharing the thing back to the people who showed it to me first yeah debatable <laughs> um yeah. yeah I think we could have an entirely different conversation about that um yeah definitely yeah but I, I love the idea of resting too and that mm-hmm. the world is still turning. God is still at work even if we take a break. I think it'll let, you know, it allows us to kind of forgive ourselves mm-hmm. or to feel like we don't have to completely be going 60 miles per hour. We can just kind of like slow down to a nice 25. Yes. You know, we're, in, we're in a school zone or whatever. 
star jokes. <laughs> um, can you go 25 in a school zone? How fast can you go to school zone? I don't know. Well, you know, it also, I feel like in school zones, they also have those bumps. What are those called? Speed bumps? <laughs> Speed bumps, yeah. You know, so, and, you know, depending on how high those are. Oh, gosh, you don't want to get could, You could bottom out on 25. <laughs> oh I had, um, I have like a, an old um, Civic, Honda Civic, mm-hmm. and that car is so low to the ground <laughs> that there have been several times where my front and mm-hmm. possibly back bumper as well have grazed the top of a speed bump because they were too high. <laughs> Did you ever ride on a speed bump when you were a kid going fast and then like your teeth would chatter because you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, no, but that, that sounds fun now. yeah yeah it is fun but also shattery i also think the idea of of being reminded that god is still god even when we're sleeping is very connected to calvin's idea of uh, sovereignty so i just had to mention that as a good presbyterian Mm -hmm. you know have a little shout out to calvin to cj or JC that's wow JC and JC <laughs> did he do that on purpose did God do that on purpose well really I meant Calvin but that also doesn't make any sense because <laughs> he didn't name himself but uh, I kind of indicated that the two most important people well some of the two most important people in Protestant in Presbyterianism are both JC anyway that's wild Maybe Calvin's parents were divinely inspired to give JC initials. I don't know what Calvin's middle name is. The worst. (laughs) Yes. Definitely have a love-hate relationship with Calvin. Anyway, sorry. Please, please go on, Maeve. (laughs) But yes, as, as good Presbyterians, we thought that we'd bring in a little bit more information about what the Sabbath means for our particular branch of faith, which is the Reformed tradition. Um, And so I'm actually taking this from our book of order, which is kind of like the constitution of our tradition. Um, So it lays out the groundwork for what we believe theologically in some parts and like how that determines our polity, which is basically how the church governs itself. Um, So you get within this uh, book, which is like it's several hundred pages long, um, ways of worship, like how the structure of the church works, um, how to baptize, how to give communion, all of that good stuff that pastors and even lay people need to know. And part of it is discipleship. And so our tradition sees practicing Sabbath as the practice of discipleship um, in a way that is um, kind of uplifting the traditions um, of our faith and of kind of the traditions that also Christ took and so what is discipleship, do you ask? Um, within the worshiping community, it's largely symbolic and it represents biblical practices in the Hebrew Bible and the gospels. So this can include traditionally in scriptures, gathering, sending, kneeling, standing, speaking, singing, cleansing, offering, marking and anointing, um, drinking, meeting, blessing and laying of the hands, which all seem very vague to me. But um, if you identify certain rituals um, within your community or by yourself, 
you are actively working towards um, conveying the gracious action of God and giving thanks and gratitude as a response, which is a very Presbyterian thing that all the good work that we do is not to please God, but rather to give thanks to God. Um, so prayer is probably the most common or primary practice of discipleship, and that is mediated through many different ways, devotionals, prayer, prayer partners, however you envision it, meditation, but other responses can be keeping Sabbath, um, studying, studying scripture, contemplation and action, fasting and feasting, and fasting and feasting is going to kind of relate to what we're talking about today, not in the sense of food or diet culture, anything that I think could feel really toxic right now, but um, more the idea of like giving and taking, being present and then not having something present in your life as a way of discipleship and reflection on your life and what you have and what you don't have. Um, so yeah, Christians practice fasting as a means of discipleship by individuals, by communities. And this is kind of based in our historical and theological tradition and our scriptures. Um, they often refer to ancient expressions of lament and celebration and you can see kind of in the Christian calendar, you know, feast days, um, that's not exactly what we call them probably as Presbyterians, but other mainline traditions might do that. Um, so it's just, you know, feasting and fasting and Sabbath are ways of kind of having a rhythm throughout your life in a way that forces you to think more constructively and more deeply about your relationship with God, with Christ, how you're living out your faith in your world, um, they often also correspond to like acts of thanksgiving and sorrow, penitence or protest, keeping with um, kind of the feast and fast that Jesus kept. And so in a way you're kind of modeling um, the actions that Christ did by taking care of yourself, by taking stock of your life. Um, and so there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk <laughs> in our tradition about tech, uh, tech fast. I think I prefer to use the word tech Sabbath. Um, just again, because of different um, kind of diet culture connotations that I don't really feel comfortable relating to, even though they don't mean the same thing. Um, but, you know, having tech Sabbath is a way to like, I don't know, I think remove certain external parts of your life, things that can be toxic, things that can bring stress to your life in a way that um, you are consciously deciding to kind of be one with yourself and one with God. Um, and thinking about how, like, again, taking away, giving to your life, how that, you know, those actions impact you as a person of faith. And again, it's a very, like, reformed Christian perspective. But uh, that's, that's where we're coming from today. Thank you for that, Maeve. That was a really good rundown of PCUSA perspective and worldviews on, on um, different practices of discipleship. I I I feel like um, Presbyterians don't do a lot of fasts, um, but and I was surprised that it's in there. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But that, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Thank you for all of that. Um, also, as a slight tangent, I looked up the speed limit in a school zone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do they say? Is it 25? A typical school zone speed limit in most US, oh, no. U.S. states is between 15 and 25 miles per hour, unless otherwise oh, posted. That. So that is between 25 and 40 kilometers an hour for our international friends. <laughs> oh, yes. Hello, everybody. Wow, that's great. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I was, I, I know we were all on pins and needles wanting to know <laughs> oh, how fast like, can we go in a school zone? I got to know. finish or what she's talking about. We got to know about the school zones. <laughs> <laughs> Both of equal importance. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. Law abiding citizens and also what constitution, Presbyterian. Yes. <laughs> Law abiding citizens. Law on the profit, including school zones. <laughs> Oh, and if you if you know anything about Lent, I probably should have said that at the beginning, but if you think about Lent, then I think this will give you a little bit more of a guide as to what we're talking about. Mm. Wouldn't you say, Sarah? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's a really, <laughs> excuse me. Yes, that's a, I didn't think about Lent, but that is exactly what Lent, in, Lent yeah. is. It's a kind of a longer Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, um, true. Wow. Yeah. People no, are going to have to reflect on that. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of related to food too. People say like, I'm not eating chocolate for Lent, which, okay. You know, mm -hmm. you do you, you do you. <laughs> I like chocolate, but I understand mm -hmm. giving and taking. I, yeah. I am really intrigued by those, um, Lent, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Lent, not like rules, but that people have, but like Lent. What are, what are they called? Rules? Ways of them? life? Lenten. Devotions? Devotions, I guess, that are about adding things instead of mm -hmm. taking things away. Yeah. Like, because that, that feels more freeing to me than being on the very restrictive yeah. side um add something life-giving instead of you know kind of having that like oh you're not good enough you need to like stop doing this this and this in your life um especially when it involves around food yeah. which you mentioned um yeah so I really am interested when always when people are like oh I you know I'm adding you know meditation to my Lent um devotion or adding um yoga or um some like lexio divina yeah. Uh, yeah i like that i think that also relates to doing a tech sabbath or a tech fast because instead of saying like i'm giving up screens for 24 hours i'm taking that mm -hmm. away from my life i mean yes you are doing that but what are you replacing it with you're replacing it with mm -hmm maybe prayer or um, writing a letter to a friend or reading a book or caring for plants. I mean, you're adding mm -hmm. all these, you're realizing that you can add so much to your life by taking away. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of um, like in psychology, when they're talking about, you know, you, you don't want to use negative reinforcement because that doesn't yeah. like punishment doesn't really work it's about yeah. positive reinforcement and so reframing things in a way of of like literally what you just said about not what am I like taking away from myself as a punishment for being such a bad person but like what can I add to my life with that with this time that I'm gaining and allowing me to have more intentional time and more more opportunity for for things in my life that are that are life-giving yeah I like that and I think like you were saying earlier people might feel uncomfortable about new year's resolution because you don't feel like there's a lot of room for grace or mistakes and if you fail mm -hmm. once then you you're done you're a failure but I think if you you know consider it 
as an addition to your life, then maybe you won't feel the need to punish yourself or hold yourself to extreme or unreasonable standards. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I will give a little rundown about my experience with Sabbaths. So um, I've never fully done what I consider like a true Sabbath. (laughs) Um, A lot of mine have been in the form of uh, tech Sabbaths or removing something from my life and adding something else. Um, And so I started doing this really intentionally over the summer because I felt like I had a lot more time, but I was still on my phone a lot, still on the computer a lot, still trying to do work and be productive. Um, And so I tried doing that and it was just once a week, I wouldn't have any screens. And I loved it. I mean, I started it and I had some apprehension. I was afraid of not being productive. I was afraid of being lazy and I had some guilt around that, but I would always come away from the Sabbath and feel, I won't say rejuvenated, but a little bit more at peace. And I could even remember what I did better. My memory isn't great. You know, I I can't often remember what I ate or what I did the day before. It all kind of blurs together. But when I took time to be intentional about my actions and not just go, oh, I'm bored, I'll get on Tumblr, which is like my first response, mm-hmm. um, or YouTube or watch, mm-hmm. watch or whatever, um, or send a meme to a friend, which can be great. And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I can remember those days a little bit more clearly, which I think is telling. Mm-hmm. They work. Sabbaths work, at least for me. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And then. Yeah. And then what about you? What about your experience with Sabbaths, tech Sabbaths? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I have like a frog in my throat today. Um, ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> ribbit. Um, <laughs> so my Sabbath was in, definitely inspired by Maeve's Sabbath. Um, uh, she had told all of us, like all of our group chat she's like I'm going into a tech sabbath and so if I don't respond that's why um and I was definitely interested because I have other like pastor friends who have done that in the past and I was like ah I don't think it's for me and then Maeve did it and she's like this is really good for me I was like okay fine I'll do it (laughs) I'll get on the sabbath bandwagon even though it's been around for forever (laughs) um (laughs) And uh, so I did it. Um, I found it very hard. Um, I don't know if I even lasted a day, <laughs> maybe a day and a half. Um, and I, especially during during quarantine, I found it to be exceptionally hard because I, you know, social media is the main way that I connect with my friends and sometimes um you know I well myself included but most of my friends you know we don't really like talking on the phone and so you know texting or like Maeve said like sending a meme is is the main way that I communicate with people and have like interaction with people outside of my immediate family um and so I found it to be a little isolating I also just have friends who are on that I just know through the internet, like friends on Twitter, who that's literally the only way that we talk to each other. We only know each other, each other through the Twitter sphere. (laughs) Um, And I, I don't know, I felt kind of bad for 
leaving them. I kind of just felt like I was abandoning them to some extent. And I know some people are like, oh, I'm, you know, post on Facebook, like I am taking an internet Sabbath. So goodbye internet um but I just I don't know and now I understand why they do it because they don't want their friends to think that they're ignoring them um but I didn't do that I was just like goodbye (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway it was I definitely found it very hard um and a bit isolating um and then so I had all this time on my hands but instead of doing And maybe I need to like reframe productivity in my mind in general, but without um, like social media, I was just, I wasn't doing anything quote unquote productive with it, with that time. Instead, I would just like, I was, I found myself watching more TV is what I'm trying to say. I watched a lot of Bob's Burgers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, I'm not on social media, but I'm also not like adding anything super great into my life like I'm not meditating or I don't know meditating is my only example that I have in my mind right now but anyway so it was it was hard and I think I would like to try again when when like being with other people is less dangerous you know like if I could spend the day away from my phone but like on a hike with my friends or um I don't know even if it's just like doing errands with people I think that would be a lot a lot better than um sitting in my house watching Bob's Burgers but there absolutely is a time and place for vegging out and watching Netflix um so that was my experience with it uh kind of mixed but I am definitely open to trying it again with maybe like different parameters um and in a different place in a different context so um yeah and I I tried sorry no I was just gonna say (laughs) I tried to read too but like being in school is definitely kind of made it hard for me to read anything especially I felt like I had to be like very intentional about my time and like okay Sarah like you got to read something that's that's going to make you into a better person but that takes just a lot of mental and emotional energy to to like read something that would make you into a better person which like obviously um so I didn't read anything all that to say <laughs> but like I said I want to try it again maybe with some fiction books with, with some other people one day <laughs> I love that you wrote not wrote I love that you said that I uh messaged everyone I was like I'm taking a tech sabbath <laughs> because I acted I sent that to like 20 people that I regularly talk with that I was you know like if I respond I'm not in the hospital or anything like Mm -hmm. which is which is real during COVID but it was also like I was acting like I was everyone's emergency contact or something like (laughs) like if you know what I mean it's like like I was so important um no I thought it was good I'm glad you you did because I like I get (laughs) I get when I hmm, how do I frame this (laughs) when people don't respond it my two 
my two ways of thinking is, oh, they're either busy or they hate me. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> there is no in between for me. Um, <laughs> one or the other. Um, so I know I, I appreciated that you did that because I was like, okay, Maeve doesn't hate us. She's just Aww. taking time for herself and I'm happy for her. Oh, okay. I'm glad you said that because I also feel the same way. And if someone doesn't, again, I have my phone with me at all times. And if someone I know is like online and they don't respond, or if they've seen the message and leave me on read, it creates this kind of anxiety of like, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, all these panic thoughts just race through. And so that's what I was trying to avoid. But looking back, it does. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about how I could like freeze it differently. No, I mean, I, I think it's fine. Um, okay. Yeah. One more thing. Sorry about, I'm like all over the place, but, uh, one more thing that I realized about, um, the Sabbath is that I, I, I mean, kind of like you said earlier and the type of person who constantly feels like I need to be consuming some sort of, podcast audiobook tv something like I constantly need that distraction or um just production intake into my head um and doing the tech sabbath really made me realize how bad that I had it because I didn't Mm -hmm. I guess you know when you're constantly doing it you know playing music in the background or podcasts you don't realize that it, it is constant Yes. Um, yeah. And I, it really made me realize how much I needed to like essentially just work on being with myself. Um, yeah. So I, I have partially because of that and partially just because I keep hearing about how good it is for mental health and everything to meditate. So I've been trying to meditate, mm. you know, five, oh. five minutes a day. Um, to learn just to how to sit or stand, (laughs) um, how to sit with myself and be content without having a constant barrage of what have you, um, which I think is very hard to do, um, when, I mean, that's just like how we're raised, you know, like if it's not one thing taking up our intention it's another and just sitting with yourself is hard and I'm not saying anything new but I'm just saying I finally realized that that was true (laughs) that's important I mean yeah I think I'm kind of of two minds because during the pandemic we're all by ourselves or when we see the same people every day and we're working, we're doing all this stuff. I think having a background noise, because like I said with my phone, like I was kind of joking that I check my phone right when I wake up. It's usually not that. It's usually I put on music as soon as I wake up mm-hmm. or I put on a podcast or I'm finishing an audiobook or I'm watching a video that I didn't finish last night, um, trying to get in as many hours. And I think this is why I'm late all the time because I'm like trying to better myself so much that I'm actually kind of like hindering my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that makes sense. Um And so during the pandemic, having that noise is like having company. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's also like, you know, when it is constant and if it's 16 hours of my day, how good is that actually? Like, how is that benefiting me? You know, Mm -hmm. I can't just sit in in quiet. Yeah, absolutely. 
No, I feel that too. Like to some extent there is a necessity just to not feel so lonely, like having a podcast going on um, and, or like music going on. And sometimes, you know, even it's, it's helpful just to focus sometimes, you know, like when I'm like writing an essay, I'll have a podcast going on in the background of just like a comedy podcast or music going on just so that part of my brain is focused on that and then the rest of my brain is focused on that so I'm not distracting myself um right but then yeah exactly like you were saying then to some ex- to some extent it has like become a compulsion or actively hinder you know your own self-reflection or insight that reminds me of an episode in Bob's Burgers <laughs> <laughs> It's called Bob Gets the Yips and he's trying to flip a burger so much and like something throws him off and he can't flip a burger, which is his job. And yeah, um, Teddy's watching him. Teddy's like, I'm watching you. You got the yips, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's that. Oh, another thing that you said that I kept thinking about was um, how you felt a little bit guilty, I think. And I won't put words in your mouth, but um, that you were just watching Bob's Burgers, you weren't doing yeah. something productive at the time, and you're like, I need to read something to better myself, or I need to do this to better myself. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's also just kind of like reifying, I don't know, holding ourselves to unrealistic yeah. expectations, mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't know, maybe your Sabbath can just be kind of like laying on the couch in silence, or yeah. like going on a walk, or I mean, doing things that aren't, you know, productive, or if you, you know, sometimes I'm too tired to mm-hmm. read, or sometimes I'm can't focus enough to read and so what do I do instead you know I I guess kind of like meeting yourself where you are and thinking not I'm going into this bettering Mm -hmm. myself but I'm going into this to see where check in to literally rest and not yeah Yeah. yep yep that is very true Mm. so I stopped doing the uh not the fast I stopped doing the sabbath once the school year started, I mean, I tried to keep up with it, but it was a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And then over winter break, I started doing it again and I like it a lot. Um, and I consulted one of my friends mm-hmm. from Div school named Lori, uh, <laughs> asking about it. And Lori read, um, well, recommended Abraham Joshua Heschel's The Sabbath and other Orthodox um, Shabbat rules, which I've looked at. I love Abraham Joshua Heschel. I think he is incredible I mean some of his language can be very outdated because it was written like in the 1960s Mm. but he has a really good book on the prophets too so if you're ever interested in that yeah check check him out but Lori sent me um, kind of a list of rules sabbath can and cannot I was really interested in this um so like you can't lose yourself in youtube or tv um socialize through the internet use social media but there were some other things, you know, I think those are kind of like givens, at least for me doing a tech Sabbath, but there were other things like don't listen to podcasts or watch like educational, meaningful um, YouTube videos or TV. And I, I was a little um, surprised by that, I guess, because I keep thinking like, oh, but that's like not work, you know, mm-hmm. that's listening to a podcast about politics or whatever. That's not work. That's informing. That's relaxing, which like, is it, you know, (laughs) that can be pretty stressful. Um, And so I think having like a no screens rule is probably where I'm at right now. And that's what I did over the summer. And that's what I've been trying to do. But what do you think about um, some of some of the things I mentioned that are on Lori's list? 
Also, thank you, Lori. Yes, You're thank amazing. you, Lori. Thank you for sharing these resources. This has really helped uh, generate some thinking. Yes, about what 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think my first reaction when I looked over this was the same as yours. Like, what? No podcast? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's literally taken this conversation, like what we were just talking about, to be like, well, that's not, you're not resting. You're actively trying to, like, it, it's a form of work trying, you know, learning is a form of work. And even, yes, it'll benefit you, but that's not rest. Um, and forcing, you literally forcing yourself to rest is a lot harder than you would think it would be. <laughs> um, and I, I am really glad that Lori shared this with us because I think for me, I, if someone was just like, Sarah, you have to do a, a, like, you have to do a Sabbath, I would be like, I don't even know where to start. I, I mean, I think, you know, the obvious ones, like you said, like, don't watch TV or don't um, get on YouTube are good ones. But I literally would have never thought of, like, no podcasts. Um no educational videos or anything and I'm really glad that um, we have this as a as an example of what it can look like because it, it definitely has opened my eyes to to what a Sabbath can look like for someone yeah definitely very helpful so tell me a little bit about your tech Sabbath then or your media Sabbath. I mean, you said that you kind of like, you don't get on media, but have you adjusted that after seeing this list and after thinking about it? I mean, do you still use screens? What do you envision for yourself? So the tech Sabbath that I told you about earlier where it was, I don't know if it was a catastrophic failure, but it was definitely um, <laughs> indicative of how my mind constantly wants content um so it was eye-opening in that way but yeah I think I would love to I would love to write my own kind of sabbath sabbath rules but like you said earlier kind of meet me where I am and offer myself grace and be like and, and allow myself to change it or to say you know because going also going cold turkey all of a sudden is hard so maybe just like limiting time at first and then slowly working my way up um and maybe we can share share what um what your friend has because I mean there are things crossed out things moved and it's a very dynamic kind of document <laughs> to be a little academic about it um and it really just shows like what works for some mm -hmm. people some days might not work another day. Um, you know, you have to try something out uh, and just offering some offering yourself that kind of grace and flexibility, um, knowing that that might it might not work and it might need to change and you might just need to meet yourself where you are, um, I think is really important because especially for me, I can get kind of caught up in my own rigidity about what I think I ought to be doing instead of um yeah. instead of like <laughs> I keep saying meeting myself where I am and like giving grace but that's I think the best way to describe it being mm -hmm. flexible 
and knowing that, you know, things change, situations change, context change, and what might be good in one part of the day, even like week, um, might not work for, for all time. Has seeing, has seeing this list changed what you thought about? Like, do you have, has it sparked any other ideas for your Sabbath? I think, well, I love this list, but um, I, I think what you're saying is like, what someone might consider even if someone reads the same rules um or looks at you know the sabbath the book or looks up orthodox shabbat rules mm-hmm. um what they write out will probably be different um and i think it'll also evolve and so i like what you were saying and i also think i'm a little like you know i i saw this list before restarting my sabbath and so i i've kept some of these rules in mind mm-hmm. um but they've definitely helped um, but I, I think what you're saying about starting cold turkey can be very hard and overwhelming. And I think it's either like, I can't do this or this is all I want to do. And I was on the second half, you know, I was, I, I became at a point where like, oh, I really don't want my phone around, or I really don't want to look at my computer. And I started associating screens with work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so strange because I used to be such a TV person, like constantly watching TV, that's what I would do in my free time. That's what I did for fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily just a way to escape, but it's because I loved it. And now I'm not really like that anymore. And I, I don't know exactly what that is, um, but that's kind of like more of a tangent of this, you know, but um, yeah, I, I think it depends if something, if an activity is calling to you, then I think to listen to that or maybe question like, why do I feel like I need to pick up my phone? Mm-hmm. Or why do I feel like I just can't watch TV anymore? I mean, I think that's kind of the point is checking in with yourself, mm-hmm. like, we, like we've like we been saying, um, rather than, um, I don't know, kind of restricting what you can or can't do. I think my idea of Sabbath might be a little bit more flexible than what other, what other folks might feel, you know, I guess. Yeah. And I think too, like, especially during quarantine, like, if you need your phone or your computer to socialize with people Mm -hmm. so you don't feel that incredible weight of quarantine loneliness like that that's fine like that is adding you know like what we've been saying that is adding joy to your life that is adding good things to your life and if that but and just because it has a screen involved doesn't mean it's you know automatically bad yeah yeah I'd love to hear because I've hmm. But since the summer, I've removed a ton of apps from my phone. Like I don't have my email on my phone. I don't have Facebook. Yeah, I don't have Twitter anymore. I only have Instagram because I use it for work. So the only apps I really use are like YouTube, Tumblr. I can't get rid of Tumblr because where else would I get my Bridgerton gift sets? Where else would I find (laughs) my Johnny Flynn fun facts? Like I would be lost without it. Uh, My Merlin memes. And so... I do love Tumblr. I have to keep that. Um, and I have messenger and texting and those are really like, and then other like work stuff that I use to like translation apps Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, that's really what I use my phone for. So I don't, my phone use is actually way down and now I'm starting to think of computer, my computer as work Mm -hmm. too. Um, but it was hard because like you were saying, and this is how it was for me in high school too. In high school, I had so many like internet mutuals on Tumblr and Twitter. We like wish each other happy birthday yeah. and we talk and, you know, and I didn't know them in person, but I considered them friends. Mm-hmm. And then now like 
I connected with people through social media and I connect through people through messenger and texting. And when you take that away, I think it can be a really hard adjustment because it, it feels like you're closing, you know, closing yourself against mm-hmm. the world, I guess, or like cutting a slice of the world that you would normally have. And that can be really isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good way to describe it. Like it's, um, makes you feel very insular, I think. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to mention that's on this list that I hadn't brought up before is, um, creativity. I think, I think allowing yourself just to, even if it's like doodling or just somehow I think involving creativity where you're just like, I'm going to do this just because it makes me feel good. Um, even in the sense of like, oh, I like to dance, but I'm not good at it, but I like Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, I think that's been something that I've been engaging with yeah. recently, um, like making art, doing crafts, not necessarily because I'm good at it and trying to like resist that um, that uh, expectation that I have to be absolutely perfect to show it off and I have to be like <laughs> expert level mm-hmm. um, creator to even dare to think about sharing my work with people. Um, just like... I don't know. I think there's something very liberating about taking up space with your art and your creativity, even when it's not good, you know, Um, which again is like not anything new and it's stuff that I've heard in the past, but I'm just now (laughs) learning it myself. Um, And I wanted to to mention that as well. Like creativity can absolutely be a spiritual uh, practice, a religious practice, um, that I, I really enjoyed, even if it's just like doodling in your journal for yourself. Um, I think it can be, to some extent, pretty liberating. Ah, geez. Well, I think you are an amazing creative. <laughs> I look at your stuff and you're ah, so- Ah, geez, um, stop you're it, you're so, gonna make me you're cry. You're so inspiring and you're so good. Oh, oh it's okay to cry, it's okay to cry. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking about this too, that I uh, receive so much content, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like produce content. And so I guess that's also a way of thinking about it is like mm-hmm. taking what you've learned and actually actively applying it. Um, whether it's, so I've started, <laughs> Sarah knows this, but I made like a, a dress that's supposed to be a mock-up for a dress that's human sized, but it's the size of like a baby. <laughs> And it's strange looking, but I spent about seven hours um, hand sewing it. And it was, it was great because I had watched all these tutorials. I had used these sewing techniques that I learned when I was really young and I actually put it into practice and it felt, yeah. And then you actually have the thing. And I've also been like, you know, writing creatively and playing piano more. And those are ways that I relax and Mm -hmm. I can get really like into it too. I can spend hours doing it, which I, you know, there's something to be said for receiving content and learning, but then, you know, if you're not applying it, if it's just kind of sitting with you, that's good. But I think there's something to um, production, but not in a way that's capitalistic in a way that you can go, wow, I made this thing. And even if it's not the best, and even if, you know, the stitches aren't the best or they're visible, or <laughs> even if I can't really carry yeah. a tune or I'm off tempo, like that's yeah, fine. I love that. You know? It's something Thank that you can be proud that. of. That's very good. What you're saying about resisting forms of production, I think, is very important. And that 
reminds me of this yeah let's talk ministry about the called ministry. the nap ministry um it was founded in 2016 by trisha hersey and i'm just i got this off her website so i'm just gonna read straight from it because it's written so beautifully and so it just is perfect so i'm just gonna I got it from thenapministry.com. So it's an organization that examines the liberating power of naps. They engage, they, they say, quote, we engage with the power of performance art, site-specific installations, and community organizing to install sacred and safe spaces for the community to rest together. We facilitate immersive workshops and curate performance art that examines rest as a radical tool for community healing. We believe rest is a form of resistance and name sleep deprivation as a racial and social justice issue. It is so good. I love this idea so much. This is um, partially what gave me, um, like made me really excited when Maeve uh, mentioned Sabbath because I was like, I know the perfect thing to talk about. Um, It's literally, everything you could ever want it's like just really really talking about how liberating sabbath is and engaging with creativity like we mentioned and just leaning into things that feel good for yourself um so the nap ministry is rooted in womanist and liberation theology they say that um, rest is a form of resistance because it disrupts and pushes back against capitalism and white supremacy, um, which such great things, such things that are so important, you know, like we've mentioned this, this capitalistic idea of production and how, how your worth underneath like a capitalism umbrella is based solely on what you can, what you can produce and what can be sold. Um, and then white supremacy is also intertwined all up in there. <laughs> um, and it really prom- problematizes the idea that our our meaning as people comes from, like I just said, what we can produce and that we and we are only of value if we commodify our time. Um, and white supremacy really upholds that that um, that worldview and that that idea. Um, and they go on to say on their website this work is a social justice movement and we have never identified ourselves as being part of the wellness and industry we are deeply committed to dismantling white supremacy and capitalism by using rest as the foundation for this disruption we believe rest is a spiritual practice a radical justice issue and a social justice issue i began experimenting with these ideas as a way to connect with my ancestors to receive a word from them and to honor my body via rest. For the rest, they can they were never able to embody due to slavery and capitalism. This is far more about naps. The work is layered, nuanced, and an experimentation. So it's it like I said, it's it's really rooted in womanist and liberation theology, really for for women of color, people of color, gender non-conforming and queer people, because everything you know, everything else in the world says, well, okay, like, you're not a value because you don't meet these, meet these expectations that we have. And you can follow them if you really like what they're saying, you can follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Um, I would recommend it. One of my friends always jokes at, and they're like, oh, I, I don't really need to follow them because I follow you, Sarah, and you like everything and repost everything that they share. So <laughs> but I would recommend following them and looking at looking at what they what they're talking about, because I think this is I mean, like they said, it's it's very liberative, liberative and um, also subversive um, to an extent. And that's it's really important. Yes. And I love that they are kind of. I don't want to say reclaiming the term ministry, but I think ministry can be somewhat contentious because it is so rooted in um, kind of like Christian teaching, Christian structure. And so the idea mm-hmm. that they're making ministry, even though, you know, I think the pure, true intention of ministry is to welcome everyone into the kingdom of God um, mm-hmm. and to value them because of who they are, not because of what they produce. But mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, in our popular culture, in our society, in our contemporary understandings of ministry, that can be, I don't know, it can be misconstrued, or it can feel exclusive, or yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I love that they are making this intentionally inclusive of um, folks that have been marginalized and have been seen as commodities through the eyes of capitalism and have had, you know, mm-hmm. faced oppression through exploitation and marginalization and violence and you know, the list goes on and on. So it's really powerful. And it also is really like, I want like a theme song, like the nap ministry. I don't know. I want, yes. <laughs> they deserve, they deserve a little tune. Um, yeah, I love it. And I'm just picturing like all of us <laughs> in the kingdom of God under that like rainbow tent that we had in elementary school. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yes. The parachute. Yes. The parachute. Yeah. Not a tent. Yeah. Uh, all taking a nap yes little little pillows that's all I want yeah that's a very wholesome I like that a lot I think that should be your your next sermon mate. Oh. the kingdom of heaven is like kindergarten naps oh. <laughs> where everyone is rested and ready to play when they wake up that's beautiful <laughs> and we know the theology of play is one of our favorite yes. topics so theology of oh, nap, yeah. theology of play I love the Sabbath, Sarah. I'm so glad we did this. Me too. And the more that I think about it, the more the kingdom of heaven sounds like a kindergarten classroom with naps and play. And honestly, I'm down for that. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So the the nap ministry, like we were talking about, really pushes back against um, commodification, production, all good stuff like that. And at the beginning, we did promise we would bring up scripture. Um, We've brought up theologians. Um, so I wanted to bring up um, this uh, connection that I see through the Nat ministry to, to the year of Jubilee as, as we find it in the, in the Hebrew uh, scripture, in the Hebrew Bible. Um, but the year of Jubilee is, and may correct me if I'm wrong in this, what I'm saying, um, it happens every seven years every 50 years. It happens every once in a while, and I should have done better research before starting. However, we're here now, and we're going to keep going. (laughs) Um, There are specific parameters that happen every time it comes up in the calendar. Um, Enslaved people are set free from exploitative labor. Um, They're allowed to, you know, go home and and be be liberated the land is allowed to rest there's no um planting or of the fields um and and all debts are um 
crossed out. Like no one is in debt anymore. Um, and I think that is just, <laughs> that is, I, I think also very much connected to, to Sabbath because it, it's a reset of, of everything and it sets things back to how they're supposed to be. Um, it, it, resist this like grind culture you know like hashtag grind culture hashtag girl boss kind of thing that we see online all the time of like keep going grind don't stop um you got to keep producing you got to keep working um and uh you know god says no like the sabbath is made for us to rest uh we need to rest it's important um and so i just want to bring that little boop a little bit <laughs> um to to add some scriptural scriptural backing to this um obviously sabbath is all over in the bible um but just how this idea of resisting grind culture of of resting is pervasive throughout the bible not just talking about the sabbath but in things like the year of jubilee thank you so much sarah and i love the idea that um the year of jubilee is based around time and it's also kind of like mm-hmm. elevating, you know, in the Sabbath, you have a day of set amount of time to observe. Um, and I, there's also an idea in um, Jewish traditions that no hour is the same and that time mm-hmm. is something that is holy and to be honored and celebrated. And so that also is just, you know, tying in so well with what we've talked about and with my new year's resolution mm-hmm. and with yours, like, writing down you writing down um joy and gratitude every day so ending the day with that and me being like you know what I need to hold myself to a better schedule so I can actually honor time and honor the holy in my midst while I do it yes absolutely what a great connection incredible circle incredible full circle time is important and holy and we live secular lives Secular? Circular? Cyclical? Circular? Cyclical? Circular? Everything is a circle like the uh, rainbow parachute, which I called a tent, which is not a tent. That is a triangle. If we put, we can, we can put stakes on it and make it a tent. (gasps) Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's our, it's our parachute. Why not? not? Yeah. Well, thank you. Fuck anyone who says (laughs) we can't put a stakes on a fucking parachute. It's our tent, and I want it now. <laughs> we need cash now, JG Wentworth. <laughs> I sent some in cash now. What a great way to end <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mystics and Mulder. You can find yes, us thank you so much. all around the internet, all the social medias, um, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook. We have an email, mysticsmolder at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sarah. I think that's it. Um, yeah, all the all the hashtag social meds. Um, check us out. Um, special thanks to Motion for our music. You can check her out. Um, it's spelled M-O-S-H-U-N. She has a Twitter, Instagram, website. She's great. Chicago-based artist. Check her out. Bye. Bye.
Bob, I think I know what this is. You've got the yips. <laughs>